So did that's you, what we're looking at. Building. Did you drop an equine in there? I did drop an equine. Equine therapy is like a growing thing. I haven't done it, but it's, with horses, really? Yeah, absolutely. How does, that, how does that work? Yeah, therapy with horses. It's one of the many, many ways that Aurora Healthcare is using their veterans track to re-enter veterans back into the community and help deal with their mental health. We're gonna dig into it in this episode of Mental Health Monday. Mental Health Monday is an informational podcast and should not be used to replace the specialized training and professional judgment of a healthcare or mental health care professional. Mental Health Monday can't be held responsible for the use of the information provided. Please always consult a trained mental health professional before making any decision regarding treatment of yourself or others. Self-help information and podcasts and information on the internet is useful, but it's not always a substitute for professional assistance. Unless otherwise noted, guests of Mental Health Monday are not doctors or licensed in any way. Our hope is to make a connection with you and be more open and honest about everyone's mental health. Enjoy the podcast. Mental Health Monday! And welcome to another episode of Mental Health Monday. It's a Riggs Off the Radio podcast. I'm Riggs from Riggs and Alley on 103.7 KISS FM in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So uh, first of all, my apologies for being so sporadic on these as of late. Uh, I've been taking some time for my own personal mental health, and let me tell you, it's nice to recharge every once in a while. It really helps get your mind right. So if you ever need to just stop and take a breath for yourself, do it. It's good for your own personal mental health. I highly recommend it. Now, if you're following the podcast, earlier in an episode, maybe you can go back and listen to it, we talked about the benefits of CBT and DBT, that's Cognitive Behavioral Therapy and Dialectical Behavioral Therapy with Christian Stoll from Aurora Healthcare based here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Now, during that talk, he mentioned a new program for veterans that's getting off the ground at Aurora Behavioral Health, and this is a program for veterans that's run by veterans, designed by veterans. So naturally, I wanted to talk to these guys. Dr. Gregory Burek and Dr. Eric Rausch are both in charge of the vet track at Aurora Behavioral Health, and they're my guests this week for Mental Health Monday. First up, Dr. Burek. I'm going to call you Dr. Burek because you went to college. I'm not going to call you Greg. Now, you, of course, have served in the military. Thank you for your service. I did. 99 um, to 2003. Tell me how this came to be, because this is a great way to outreach to veterans, who obviously a lot of them suffer from PTSD. The, the whole veteran life has a, it, it, its own mental health that comes with it as well. So, Well, as I was graduating my residency from psychiatry, I started you know, looking around for jobs. Yeah. And there's a lot of people interested in psychiatry. It's one of those underserved professions. Not enough of us. I came to Aurora and I met with the hospital president, uh, Pete Carlson. And about the third question into the interview that he asked me was, if you could do anything, what would you do? With, uh, without hesitation, I answered, I would set up a veteran-specific program with all levels of care. One of his next questions was, how do we do it? So uh, because of his support and because he agreed with this was a great and deserving population, um, he allowed me to kind of build a team and start building all these levels of care. A question I posed to Dr. Eric Rausch, how is treating a veteran different than treating a civilian with mental health? Well, there's a few differences. Some of them, there's not as much, but there's a lot of preconceived notions. So one of the big things is that if you're working with a veteran, veterans can be a little bit rough around the edges, Mm -hmm. um, a little bit less able to trust another person. Yeah. Um, anyone with trauma has typically have trust issues, but a veteran uh, working with a civilian uh, kind of comes in with this. I no one can understand. Yeah. Another problem is that 
a clinician may think uh, that's a veteran, everything is tied to the service. Yeah. Um, so that's a mistake as well, because a veteran uh, was a certain age before they got in, and then if they got out, they've lived a certain amount of life after. So it's the difficulty is honoring the service and looking at what may have happened there in addition to what happened before or after service. Mm-hmm. Um, so that can be a complication. So there's a lot of highlighting. People will highlight towards one thing or they'll get too scared to talk about it and then avoid it. Is a veteran more apt to come here because they know it's veteran run and run by veterans rather than somebody that may not know what they're going through? I think so, okay. yes. Um, the way that I... Uh, think about it and teach it is that the military has its own culture we have our own ways of speaking and addressing each other you know our own behaviors our own traditions Mm -hmm. so having somebody from that same culture as who's helping you with your issue you know tends to be able to understand you better you say you have uh, I know military has a lot of those traditions and the the brotherhood that goes along with being in the military is is um, is there a way of breaking away from that a little bit to help you with your mental health or is it keeping that and finding other positive ways to use that brotherhood and that camaraderie that are not war related or you know serving related does that make sense that question somewhat and it's a good question it's an interesting question Um, One of the problems that happens is once you get out of the military, you lose that brotherhood. Yes. You lose all of your, you lose like an entire identity. Right. Basically, you were the soldier, you were the Marine, sailor. You had a purpose. Right. You had a mission, you had a purpose, you had a unit. Yeah. Brothers and sisters to watch your back. Yeah. All of that. Right. Yes. And then you get out and all of that is gone. Yeah. Um, So most of the time, or a lot of people, once they get out, they pretend to be civilians again. Um, but they are part of that new culture. You know, yeah. They're not a civilian, they're a veteran. And it can take years before they start to re-engage that part of their identity. Yeah. Um, this is kind of a way of trying to inspire that quicker. Because there's a lot of good values and qualities that came from being in the military, from right. being a veteran. And it's a way of kind of helping to bring those two pieces of yourself back together. Right. Why do you think some veterans may be reluctant to seek out help? Maybe because they don't know we're out here. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of reasons that veterans don't go to the VA. Also, you do need a little distance. Once somebody gets out of the military, they have to find a new balance between who they are now and their veteran identity. Right. Do you help them coping with their family? Because I know the family is a whole nother issue because that you're is, also coping with not only the veteran, but the veteran's family as well. Yes, absolutely. And that's part of their new unit. I mean, that's their support structure. Mm-hmm. That's who's got their back now. And oftentimes they're the ones who who get it taken out on when the person is suffering. Right. So it's a lot of times the one who's caring, the family, um, who encourages the veteran to come in for care. Sure. Right. So, so absolutely, we want to educate and we want to help out the families too. I will say, like, just talking about the families, it's very similar. If you, you talk about somebody growing up with like an alcoholic parent, you know, yeah. it affects it affects the whole family dynamic. So even just somebody in the service, with mental health or not, yeah. the uncertainty of what's happening, the high intensity of emotions, and then let alone somebody develops. Sure. Uh, addiction PTSD depression and how that like cascades throughout the whole family Um, so what can somebody expect when they come in like from day one after they hit the ground running what's kind of the uh, the curriculum I guess you could say so what you would do is you would meet Dr. Rausch or myself Um, we would go through kind of your history what you're dealing with Um, maybe some of your time in the military we can talk about those things or we can talk about other issues so it would be similar to meeting any other doc um, doc or therapist Mm -hmm. But then 
we understand the culture, that military culture, and we can see some of those issues that might have come from service. Mm -hmm. Like a great example is we all get trained in sleep deprivation. Yeah. So that almost becomes normal. So somebody else just asks you the question, how are you sleeping? And you say, fine, I'm fine. You know, and then you kind of dig in a little more and it's like, what does fine mean? You know, exactly. Four to five hours a night. Yeah. Yes. Waking up a couple of times, you yeah. know, but I'm fine. I wake up in some sweats and I go back to sleep in a couple of days, but that's right. fine. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So being able to talk about it in that context and being able to use some of the jargon as well. It's it's culturally informed care is what it is. Sure. For a very deserving population. It is. Absolutely. What type of classes, I guess, or regimens do you have them going through or do you have planned for these veterans? Yeah. So we try to offer an eclectic amount of classes or we trying to call that classes and retraining because, you know, we pathologize too much of this. Anybody goes into the service, they're going to have a certain amount of issues coming out. Mm -hmm. So one of them is just talking about that military identity. Um, we, there's a lot of identity models for, um, immigrants or racial identity models. And we're working on one for just the military. What's it like to have the rug pulled out voluntarily or involuntarily leaving the military? Um, we're looking at some common things, uh, that, you know, veterans deal with regarding to trauma, but anger, PTSD, um, acceptance. Uh, we're looking at having uh, a lot of the alternative classes or therapy, art therapy, yoga, tai chi, um, music, equine. So our, our goal is to have a core of like mental health specific type of classes, but mm-hmm. then also a wide variety that people can find their niche. So if you're comparing it to college or something, yeah. you have your, you know, you're majoring in communications, you're taking those core classes, but you're also taking some fun things to make you well-rounded yeah. um, or so just alternative uh, options. So did that's you, what we're looking at. Building. Did you drop an equine in there? I did drop an equine. Equine therapy is like a growing thing. I haven't done it, but it's, with horses, really? Yeah, absolutely. How does, that, how does that work? Apparently, it's not. From what I understand, it's not. Someone's going to hear like this, and like that's not what it. It's not riding the horse as much as it is the relationship with the horse. Right. So the horses have. I've heard a lot of human-like qualities. Correct. Because they've been conditioned to that for for generations. Yeah. And I think it's to get out of that logical mind and that just kind of straight emotion mind to create a platform for somebody to use more of their intuition and their empathy. Yeah. Um, it reminds me of a study I read a while ago about prisoners trying to develop empathy. You can just tell a prisoner to be empathetic, but they uh, this program gave them puppies. <laughs> so it gave them an opportunity to have empathy. Yeah. I think equine therapy is something similar where you're allowing the opportunity for space for this and it's a little bit safer to do with an animal that doesn't judge which is sure. why a lot of veterans it can't do well back. with service dogs why do you think men in particular maybe veterans specifically are so reluctant to seek out help so i make half a joke to say that the only acceptable emotion in the military is anger right right you're basically not allowed to have any other emotions <laughs> um, that- anger becomes useful to you it becomes part of how you operate yeah how you get anything done um, and you carry that with you when you get out. However, in the military, uh, being part of a unit, if you're ever sick for any reason, if you ever can't do your job, somebody else has to carry your pack. Yeah. So nobody wants to be that weak link. Nobody wants to put the weight on their other brothers or sisters. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of that, I'm fine, I'm fine, you know, 
I'm fine means I can continue the mission. It doesn't mean you're not suffering. Fine is the a word that women use a lot. And when they say that word, you know something's wrong. Yes, you know you're in trouble. Yes. <laughs> and I would think the same would go for men. If a man says, I'm fine, well, are you really fine? Exactly. So what does that mean by fine? Are right. you not doing well and it's okay to not be okay and to reach out for help uh, in a program like this? Yeah. And in the military, fine is I can keep going. Right. And that's, but that's not why we're here. No. We're here because you may be having some difficulty and we can help with that. Where do you see the future of this program going for the veterans? We want to have it set up a lot like a college, where a veteran can come in, meet Dr. Rausch or myself, we talk about some issues, and then we start picking the classes that would be appropriate to you, whether it's PTSD symptoms, whether it's sleep or healthy sleep, whether it's anger management, anything like that. You can pick your list of classes, and mm-hmm. then you go to those classes you know, as fit into your schedule. You can continue on and swap out classes as needed. It's kind of a transition back from the military. Mm-hmm. We don't get much of a transition. We don't get many classes of how to be a civilian again or yeah, they how to be a veteran. drop you back in. They say, all right, thanks, see ya. There's a lot of that. So we got trained to be a soldier, a marine, airman, or a, or a sailor. But we didn't get any type of retraining after we got back, mm-hmm. right? So what we're actually calling this is the Veterans Retraining Program. And that's what we're doing is... Retraining veterans. Right. Retraining veterans to come home and to, you know, have the life they want to be a part of society. Re-entering into society, which is great. There's a lot of that. Uh Or it might be, like I said, something as as simple as sleep deprivation. Yeah. Right? As learning how to sleep again. Is that common as well with veterans? Sleep oh, deprivation? What else? Yeah. What are because they? we got trained and we know how to do it. Uh-huh. Um, and it does work. It's a, it's a mission important skill to have. Sure. But once it's more than a few days, a few weeks, um, it really starts taking its toll on the body and on the brain. I bet. Yeah, yeah. So after years of sleep deprivation, you do need to be retaught, retrained how mm-hmm. to sleep properly. Do you think sleep de- deprivation is one of the biggest hurdles that some veterans have? Sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. But a lot of it's being understood finding people other people that are part of that culture that can understand that culture Mm -hmm. you know you were it was so ingrained into you for the four years or however long that you were in and then just to be kind of dropped off someplace you know it's like being dropped off in a foreign country Mm -hmm. so you look for other people who can understand you and oftentimes that's other veterans yeah so really i think a majority of the healing where the coming back comes from reconnecting with other veterans Mm -hmm. reconnecting and having that shared culture you know now you got somebody else who's got your back what do you suggest to veterans when they leave here as far as self-help because they're getting help from you here but what's a good way for a veteran to kind of self-help once they leave your program yeah and that's a big goal we have Um, a limitation with any mental health is when somebody starts like what's the end point so we try to look at this as like a dose of healing so teaching the skills and allowing them to know uh, what's expected. So some of this is just emotional education and expectations. Some people expect that they'll never be sad or never be fearful right. if they're ready to go. But, you know, we right in front of us is an emotion wheel, yeah. you know, and that's uh, a that's a human wheel. That's what is expected of a human being to feel all those emotions. So a lot of education of what's normal, and we've kind of focused that retraining. Uh, the military or life has trained you to be a certain way, which is very maladaptive. Push it all down. Use yeah. anger as a as a weapon. But how to relearn some of those poor techniques? So uh, discussing what expectations are, um, getting it the 
we kind of plant the seeds of healing and start it, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of work to be done outside these walls. That's moving forward, volunteering, working, uh, maybe opening up, developing deeper relationships. Are there people that have come back without any sort of PTSD? Yeah, yeah absolutely. That, does that happen? It does. And it's... Because <laughs> some people think like every veteran goes that Correct. comes back with a horrible case of PTSD and they can't be around fireworks or loud sounds yeah. or anything like that. Two, uh, let me answer this in two parts. Go ahead. Um, as a society, we tend to use a very polarized view as veterans. They're either the hero or the wounded warrior. And we don't really leave a lot of room in the middle. So a lot of... And this is a lot of movies. You know, that's how it's captured. So you're either the badass that you've done, you know, yeah, everything. Yeah, you saved, saved the whole platoon. Yeah, exactly. Or you're wounded Lieutenant Dan or something like that you're just that's you're one of those two where every service member kind of feels a little bit of both and in the middle there's always somebody who was more brave who did more who sacrificed more Mm -hmm. and there's people who did a lot worse and are more hurt and you know that could be physical or mental wounds exactly so there are the heroes and there are the wounded but every just and i'm speaking but from my experience, every service member looks at the people above them and below them, and they're somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. So as a society, we can honor that complexity of you do feel kind of superior in a way because you did do this, but there are also a lot of the other side of that same coin. So one of the reasons that they're identifying, I'm still in the service right now, as uh, doing resiliency training to assist. It's like a preventative measure to yeah. ke- keep soldiers, I'm in the army, so I'll say soldiers, but service members from developing um, any sort of mental health conditions. So they are investing more time and energy. It does happen. And there's also uh, post-traumatic growth where people can get stronger after traumatic events. Um, It happens sometimes just uh, uh, right away. Sometimes it happens after there's a clinical diagnosis and somebody works on it. This wheel that you had here, I want to go back to that wheel real quick because I think it's fascinating. By the way, I've never thought of emotions and feelings like this, but everything kind of has a spoke and it's a circle in the middle. You have uh, fearful, angry, disgusted, sad, happy, surprised, and bad, which are all kind of general. So what is the purpose of this chart here? I know we can't see. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, there's there's many purposes. I refer to it all the time. It's why it's on my desk. What is it called? What's the, uh, the actual An emotion name? wheel. Okay. Yeah. And I have a few copies of it. Yeah. Uh, I try to normalize this because the, the red one, angry, is what is promoted from a lot of times... Uh, familial dads generally yeah um, and the military is it's only you're only allowed to feel angry and so what i try to do is we and everything gets funneled in here yeah so i try to normalize this is what the goal is because a lot of people come into this office and say i only want to feel happy <laughs> and like well you're not in here right to only feel happy that's a part of this yeah so what the goal that i have is for you to feel all these things uh, we can't allow you to be happy if you're not going to feel these other emotions. Sure, so there's a balance in everything. Exactly. You're only if you're sad, it's because you value something and you love something. Mm-hmm. So that's necessary. If you're angry, you're passionate about something. Yeah, and if you feel shame, if I knocked over an old lady on the street, I probably should feel some shame or guilt, and that's a helpful emotion to keep me from doing that again. Right. So we don't want to eliminate shame or guilt, or who knows what we'll do. So we do want to get these emotions in balance. So typically somebody, you know, and especially a veteran who walks in, it's very imbalanced. They're feeling one emotion way too much and they want to get rid of it. Yeah. And it's like, well, we can't just throw it all out. We got to 
figure out how to make this more even. Yeah. And like a wheel, and that's why I like the visualization of a wheel is because if you're missing one chunk of it, the wheel sure, don't work. Gonna, the cavemen realize that. Yeah. I'll put a picture of this. Uh, I'll, I'll find a way to get a picture of this so that people can view it uh, after yeah. listening to this podcast. Uh, what would be something you'd want to say to reach out to a veteran that's maybe contemplated getting help or maybe yeah. they're reluctant to get help? Something as a service uh, member yourself with the yeah. army, by the way, thank you for your service very much for the country. What would be something you would say to them if they're listening right now to a veteran? Yeah, I say, I like to, I have a little snippet for this already. Sure. Um, it takes a lot of courage to seek help. And we typically think of courage as like running up a hill at a machine gun, right? And why is that courageous? It's because you're afraid to do it. Okay, courage is doing something you're afraid to do. Yeah. If you are afraid to seek help, it takes courage to do it. It is a skill that... You know, you learn in the service, you have to know when to call for backup. You need to know when to call the quick reaction force. It's a skill in that area, but it's looked at as a sign of weakness when it's for mental health. But it is um, a sign of strength to know when that is, to listen to somebody, and actually a skill to know how to do it. So there are a lot of reasons why to not do it, um, but it does take a lot of courage. And I make sure to express that to anybody who I work with on the first session. It took a lot of courage. You probably uh, circled the parking lot, probably waited a long time. Um, it's sometimes been decades. And congratulations on taking that step. It was very courageous. Yeah. You don't want to tell your friends you're nervous. Exactly. You feel shameful, but there's nothing shameful about this at all. Yeah. So uh, thank you for what you're doing here with this. The veteran program at Aurora is, uh, is amazing. Once you guys get it up and running, that uh, Dr. Burek said you're going to have uh, rooms where people can stay over at the Dewey Center, yep. which is going to be fast, uh, amazing as well. So people can stay on site if they need to. You know, veteran care takes a whole wheel. And so we'll just replace the emotion wheel. Yeah. And so the VA has a portion. Um, community support has a portion. You know, society has a portion. And what we're trying to do is fill a missing gap of people, of veterans who may not want to go to the VA or don't choose to, um, or have just this kind of unique level of care. Uh, so we're looking at creating our wedge of the pie and doing it as well as we can. Yeah. And our goal is to have you know this Milwaukee as the most veteran-friendly city in the country. And that takes us doing our part and every other veteran organization doing their part as well. Thanks again to my guest this week, Dr. Burek and Dr. Rausch. The emotion wheel that I was talking about earlier with Dr. Rausch, if you're still listening at this point and you're like, what does it look like? I want to see the emotion wheel. Just go to Google Images and type in emotion wheel. You can see it. It's an amazing little tool. If you're interested in finding out more about the veteran track at Aurora Healthcare, check them out at aurorahealthcare.org and they can get you all set up. Enjoy the rest of your day, your evening, your nights, your weekend, whatever it is you're doing. I'll talk to you next time. This has been Mental Health Monday. It's a Rigs Off the Radio podcast. Make good life decisions, all right?